Hello and welcome back to the Atlantic Podcast, recorded live in Clonakilty Community College. My name is Charlie Cronin and I'll be your host today. This is the second episode of season two and we're excited to have you here. For any first time listeners, the Atlantic Podcast is run by transition year students. This podcast covers a wide range of topics, from local and international sports to gaming news and the latest in world events. We aim to release a new episode every Tuesday evening, so be sure to look out for us. On today's agenda, we'll discuss Irish soccer, the Irish squad, school hurling, MMA, an interview with the people behind the humble pie, political news and the latest in gaming. First up today, we have Pranav, who will talk to us about Irish soccer. Hi, my name is Pranav Prakash and I will be speaking about soccer here in Ireland. In this week's weekly podcast, I will be giving you, the listeners, an insight on how a World Cup winner from Nigeria made his home here at Van Harps, Cork City's current situation in the league and a report on the League of Ireland Premier Division. Starting off, I will be speaking about Eloka Okacha. Most, if not all of you, have never heard of him. I certainly hadn't. Who is he? Well, Eloka Okacha, or better known as Luca to any Finn Harp supporters, was part of the Nigerian Under-17 World Championship squad that were victorious in Japan during their 1993 World Cup campaign. He was part of the squad that consisted of Nawanka Kanu and Celestius Babayaro. After their triumphant campaign, all but one footballer was not picked up by a top side, which in fact was Luca. But 10 years later, in 2003, Luca was picked up by Finn Harps. Though at the start, he found it hard and he even wanted to return back home. He chose to stick it out. Luca, previously an unknown defender, quickly became a crowd favourite and was Harp's most consistent performers since he had officially joined. He even guided the mighty Harps to their first ever league crown in 2004. He built up a great partnership with Shane Bradley in the centre of the Harps defence in 2006, 18 years after arriving in his alien country. Ali Buffet is now home, and Luca, the club's newly installed under-17 manager, is now a firm part of the Finn Harps fabric. Now, on Cork City, who currently sits 7th in the 1st Division. Last weekend, Cork City faced off against Bray Wanderers, who sit two places above them. In fifth on 38 points. That result concluded in a nil-nil draw. While in the Premier Division, Shamrock Rovers sit in first place, nine points above second-placed St. Patrick's Athletic. Shamrock Rovers this weekend managed to narrowly beat Derry City by two goals to one. Thank you for listening. That's all from me this week. Be sure to listen to next week's podcast where I will be talking about Cork City and their drastic fall-off 
from the Premier Division. Thanks for that, Pranav. Next up, we have Brian, who's going to talk to us about the Irish squad. The Irish squad has today, the 30th of September, been announced for the Azerbaijan and Qatar fixtures, which are fast approaching. With the goalkeepers, arguably Ireland's strongest department being the excellent Gavin Bazunu and Quivin Kelleher, along with Bournemouth's Mark Travers. The defence consists of Matt Doherty, Cyrus Christie, the ever-present duo of Shane Duffy and John Egan, Enda Stevens, the timeless James McLean, Ryan Manning, the promising Andrew Omabamadele, and Burnley's new signing, Nathan Collins. The Irish midfield includes Jeff Hendrick, local bandonman Conor Howerhan, Harry Arthur, Josh Cullen of Anderlecht in Belgium, Jamie McGrath, and 20-year-old Jason Knight. With the Republic's forwards including James Collins, Daryl Horgan, Chelsea's nemesis, Callum Robinson, Brighton's Aaron Connolly, Troy Parrott, Chiodose Ogbene, first-timer Will Keane, and Adam Ida, who is likely to lead the Irish line. The Irish will be hoping to pick up two wins against these relatively weaker sides. You never know with Ireland, but hopefully, and fingers crossed, they can perform well and get positive results. Elsewhere, in the upcoming World Cup qualifiers, England will be looking to bounce back from their draw with Poland, where victory was snatched away from them at the death when they travelled to Andorra in what will be their fourth game since their heartbreak in the European Championship final. Scotland will look to build on their 1-0 win in Austria when they host Israel. Northern Ireland will contest back-to-back games with Switzerland on Saturday the 9th of October after holding them in Belfast recently thanks to a Bailey Peacock Farrell penalty save from Harris Seferovic. And the Welsh will look to get back up on the horse after a disappointing nil-all draw at home to Estonia as they face Czech Republic in Prague, fresh from their impressive Euros campaign. That's all for me today. Thanks for listening. Thanks again, Brian. Now we have Prince, who's going to talk to us about school hurling. Hi, my name is Prince Arla. Here I'm with Mr Murphy and I'll be asking him about the school hurling team. What age groups will you be coaching for the school hurling team? Uh, this year I'm with the senior team. Where will all the trainings be held and what times will they be at? Uh, well, we normally do the train on a Monday um, at quarter past four out in Hamilton. Uh, what dates will these trainings be held? We train every Monday. I think uh, hurling's on Monday and football is on Wednesday. Hurling on Monday and football Wednesday. Is that the 16 and a half training with the senior team? Yeah, it's 16 and a half training. And what type of competitions will the school be entering? Uh, in senior, we'll be playing in the county championship and the Munster championship. They're two separate competitions. Uh, and it will be the same in the under 16 and a half. That's a Munster competition. It's under 16 for, um, for a county. 
And how does the under 16 half under 16 work for like ages? Uh, so? They're all knock all knockout competitions as such. Uh, under 16 and a half, anybody born before the 1st of June 2005 is eligible. Born after the 1st of June 2005 is eligible to play. Alright. And what will. Where. Will there be any other teachers assisting for the school teams? Yeah, myself and Mr. Ford are involved in the kind of senior and the other 16 and a half, so I'm kind of the senior to Mr. Ford, so the other 16 and a half. And when will all these competitions stuff start? Uh, I think we're allowed to play a Munster Championship on the 10th of November uh, in senior. I would expect the county championship to be played uh, sometime in October. We're awaiting a date. Um, the other 16 and a half will probably be the first competition to be played that they played in the next couple of weeks. And will you be standard training this Monday coming now for the school? Yeah, certainly trained, yeah, Monday. And will the football be starting Wednesday then? Yeah, yeah, I think the football we're down actually to start yesterday, but it has to be put back so they're starting next Wednesday. Alright, thank you very much, Mr. Revy. Thanks, Prince. Now we're going to move on to Callum, who's going to talk to us about MMA. Hi, my name is Callum O'Sullivan and I'll be talking about Nate Diaz. Back, his, firstly, his background. Diaz was born and raised in Stockton, California, a Mexican-American family with his brother Nick Diaz. He attended Tokyo High School and at the age of 11, he began training in martial arts with his brother Nick. His early career, priority to the UFC, Diaz competed mainly for World Extreme Cage Fighting, WEC. In 2006 at WEC, 24, he fought for the WEC lightweight championship against ten, then against ten champion Herms Franca, losing by submission in the second round. This was the last event held by WEC before it was acquired by Sufa LLC, then parent company of the UFC. UFC DS was a contestant on the Ultimate Fighter Five, which ex- exclusively featured lightweights fighting on Jen's pull. Pulver's team. In the preliminary round, Diaz defeated Rob Emerson by submission. In the quarterfinals, he defeated fellow team Pulver teammate Corey Hill via triangle choke submission in the first round. In the semi-finals, Diaz defeated ten team pen member Gray Maynard by submission. Advancing to the finals, in which he faced teammate Mav- Manville Gamburin. Diaz won by submission after Gamburin was forced to tap out in the second round due to the dislocation of his right shoulder as a result of emptying, attempting a takedown. With the victory, Diaz won the Ultimate Fighter 5. 2008, after defeating Alvin Robertson and Jr. Rastin Chow via submission, Diaz demanded tougher opponents. He was giving a match with Kurt Pellegrino at UFC Fight Night 13. Diaz defeated Pellerino via triangle choke submission in the second round. As he locked up the choke, Diaz had time to flex for the crowd and throw up above middle fingers before Pellegrino submitted. Diaz then defeated veteran Josh Neer by split decision in the main event of UFC Fight Night 15. 2012, Diaz, after several years of training, finally received his Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt from Cesar Grassi. He was awarded his black belt a month before his fight with fellow Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt Jim Miller. DS next faced Jim Miller on May 55, 2012 at UFC on Fox 3. DS outboxed Miller for the majority of the first two rounds, even dropping Miller with a straight left at the end of the first round. 
Near the end of round two, Miller shot in for a takedown to which Diaz stuffed encounter with a rolling guillotine choke, forcing the tap at 4.09 of the second round. The submission won Diaz's fifth submission of the night bonus award. It was also the first time Miller had been stopped in his MMA career. Diaz faced Benson Henderson on December 8, 2012 at UFC on Fox 5 in the main event for the UFC lightweight championship. Diaz lost to one side bout via unanimous decision. Three weeks prior to the championship bout, Diaz signed an 8-5 contract with with UFC. 2019, Nate Diaz returned to competition on August 17th at UFC 241. He faced Anthony Pettis in a welterweight bout which served as the main co-main event. With a dominant performance, he won the fight by unanimous decision. Diaz faced George Maz- Masvidal on November 2nd, 2019 in the main event of UFC 2044. In a unique situation, UFC president Dana White confirmed that the headlining bout was first celebrated by this belt. Masvidal won the fight via technical rockout with via doctor stoppage between rounds 3 and 4 in the cage side Physician determined a cut over Diaz's right eye, rendered him able to continue. 2021, Diaz was expected to face Leon Weathers on May 5th, 2021, a UFC 262 event co-headliner, marking the first time a non-main event and non-title bout had been scheduled for five rounds. However, the bout was moved to UFC 263 due to a minor injury sustained by Diaz and eventually took place for five rounds as well. While Edwards was in control for the most for the vast majority of the bouts, Diaz hurt Edwards badly with punches laid in the fifth round. Edwards. Edwards survived on the onslaught and had managed to win the via an ominous decision. Personal life. Diaz Diaz's brother, Nick Diaz, is also a professional MMA fighter fighting under UFC. But Diaz brothers are advocates for cannabis and even have a license of major Majority made by California finest. They currently run a Brazilian Jitsu school in Stockton, California. Nick Diaz Academy had founded a CBD com- company game up nutrition. He has been priority vegan since he was 18, but admits to eating fish from time to time. On June 20, 2018, he was announced that Diaz's girlfriend had given birth to their daughter. Well done, Callum. Next, we're going to move on to Killian, who conducted an interview with the people behind the Humble Pie. Hi, my name is Killian, and today I'm going to be talking to you about a local restaurant near our school. The Humble Pie is approaching its one year anniversary in Clonakilty. There is a wide variety of items on the menu, including pies, jacket potatoes, and sweet treats. Some of my favourites are the sausage rolls the chicken curry pie and the flapjacks. They also do meal deals and picnic boxes were available throughout the summer. Their prices are very affordable and everything is freshly baked. They're open Tuesday to Friday from 8.30am to 4.30pm on Saturdays from 9am to 4pm. I would highly recommend visiting there if you are feeling hungry around Clon. We spoke to the shop's owner Samantha Duffy and asked her a few questions. Here is what she had to say.
Uh, so what made you start up your own business? It's something I've always wanted to do. I love cooking and just something I've always wanted to do. Yeah. So. Yeah. What would be the most popular item would you say on the menu? Um, probably the sausage rolls and the cookies. They do look very nice. <laughs> Have you not tried them yet? Yeah, I've tried the cookies, but I must give the, the sausage, sausage rolls. rolls yeah. Yeah. Did you have a cooking background before you opened up the shop? Then? No, I'm a lecturer. Ah. I'm a lecturer by trade. Um, I've been lecturing for a lot of years, shall we say, and this, I enjoy cooking. It helps me relax. So that's why I started doing it. Have you got a lot more business since the summer, would you say, considering that students are buying stuff on lunch break? Um, yeah, but we also did a lot of the picnic boxes over the summer, so we got a lot of tourists over the summer. Yeah, popular, I Yeah. Know, and how did you come up with the name, The Humble Pie? It was my husband. I chose three names. I wanted the pie shop, crust and crumbs, or humble pie, so I let my husband pick the name. It is a good name. Very you like much. it? <laughs> yeah, so it was his that was great, Killian. Now Frank is going to talk about politics and world events. United States President Joe Biden's approval rates have plummeted to a new low of 43% following his decision to proceed with the withdrawal of US troops from Afghanistan, which resulted in the Taliban taking control of Afghanistan and the death of 13 troops in a suicide bombing. This news came just days before the Taliban formally requested that they be seen as the new rulers of Afghanistan. Vice President Kamala Harris's approval rates are also on the decline and it's expected to be from her stance on immigration, telling immigrants not to come to the United States and her controversial trips to Mexico and Guatemala. Moving on to Europe, for the first time in 16 years, Angela Merkel will no longer be the Chancellor of Germany. She was the first elected female Chancellor of Germany and served the third longest post in leadership in German history. She was the recipient of the Presidential Medal of Freedom from President Barack Obama and branded the most powerful woman in the world. In other European news, the former president of France, Nicolas Sarkovsky, has been sentenced to one year's house arrest for his illegal campaign financing for his 2012 presidential election. Thanks, Frank. Lastly, we have Thomas, who's going to talk to us about the latest in gaming. Right, hello lads and ladies, welcome to back to the Atlantic Podcast, welcome to the gaming section where I talk about gaming news and latest releases. Right, starting off with Call of Duty Warzone came out with a new update on the 29th of September with new events, like the different elements have been reduced and limited to play once per match. Other updates like the first challenge for the Season 5 Operator Bundle Pack won't track your progress for the challenges properly and will be very inaccurate. In the following week, Rocket League will be collaborating with the infamous Face Clan and will bring out the new car decals that will cost 1,000 credits. There will also be decals for the Rocket League Championship winners NRG, which will also be a decal for all the cars you own with a black and yellow option. New, com- new games coming out soon, for example Forza Horizon 5, classic Xbox exclusive game, brilliant graphics and game physics that make driving seem fun. In my opinion, I'm not really interested in the car games and I wouldn't be a big fan of playing this game honestly, but it is going to be a major hit this year. 
people people who would enjoy the Forza Horizon series or people who just enjoy cameras will love this. Thank you for listening to the gaming section. I'll see you guys in a bit. Thanks for that, Thomas. Well, that appears to be the final topic we have for you today. If you like the podcast, it would mean a lot to share it with your friends and anyone you think would find it interesting. We should hopefully have a new episode up next week on Tuesday evening, so be on the lookout for that. Before we go, I'd like to give a special thanks to Nicholas Maines, Orn Mulcahy and Aaron Glennon for editing this week's episode. Without them, none of this would be possible. Thanks again for listening to this week's episode of the Atlantic Podcast. I've been your host, Charlie Cronin, and I hope to see you again next week. Thank <laughs> you.